the the bond of friendship and I love that. It's just a very, <laughs> it's a very simple movie in the You're such a sucker way. for that shit. <laughs> no, I love it. I do love it. You know what? Actually, Nick like psychoanalyzed me the other day. I don't remember how this came up, but he was like, do you think the reason why you love E.T. and like other movies like that is because you were an only child and you didn't have a lot oh of friends? God. And I was like, oh my God. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Let's get started. Yeah. <laughs> Hold on. I gotta <laughs> I gotta actually make sure that I get the title exactly correct because as you guys know, I cannot title an episode something we did not specifically say within the episode. And I wanted this to match up with what? last year. So yes, I got the title correct. Welcome to this year's big super mega media moment 2022 edition. Now Ooh. I can put that in the title. See, uh, it is my favorite episode to do. I was going to say, well, we've only done it once, so I can't really say that it's my favorite episode to do because we've only done it once, but it's becoming my favorite episode to do because I like talking about my opinions. We know, <laughs> we know. <laughs> and I'm sure you do too, right? I do. I do. Yeah. I also, this is like one of my favorite parts of our podcast is talking about media that we... <gasps> Love your mug. Oh, yes. Zach's drinking out of the mug. I got him from the Grand Canyon. Yes. Um, But one of my favorite parts of our podcast is that we talk about our favorite media, and it's really fun. It is really so fun. I love that we have a whole episode where we get to do that and not stress about what's going on in the world, because Lord knows today's been stressful. <laughs> not stressful. Today's been well, for funny some, as for hell. Some. For it's some. been stressful for, for some. For Kevin McCarthy, it's been very stressful today. Yeah, not getting he's those shitting votes. his pants right now. The funny thing is, is that it's like eventually he's going to get the votes. It's just like this is how our politicians operate. They continue to mess around and waste people's time because it could be months. And then he'll finally it's like, I why know. do we waste all this time? God they love damn. wasting our time. The funniest part to me, though, is that like he lost by more votes like the second or third time than he did the time before that. <laughs> well, because people, people are getting fed petty. up. People are getting fed up. So petty. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's wild. And and of course the news, everyone on the news say was like, it's literally been a hundred years since this last happened. No, like they got lucky really. with that one, didn't they? They because right. they were milking the shit out of that. They love an even number. Oh, they do. <laughs> um yeah, that's it's it's honestly hilarious. Annoying that yeah, this is what's going to hold up our politics for God knows how long. But also it's just Yo. funny because like we we I feel like we as a society, and by we I mean like non-Republicans, like kind of predicted this in a way we were like after they overturned roe v wade they have no unified messaging like they don't know what the fuck they're talking about now like they did what they've been saying oh do this do this do this and now they don't know what to do moving forward and they can't get unified around trump so it's like they're fighting it's so funny. and i hope that this <laughs> i hope that this is like a foreshadowing for how 2024 is gonna go because oh my god that's gonna be Yo. amazing <laughs> i love watching people i don't like tear themselves apart <laughs> But we're not going to talk about that today because it's a big super no. mega media moment. Right, right. Uh, we have fun. lots to discuss. So fun excitement. we're going to do film first, right? And then do you want to mm -hmm. do TV or music? 
Um, I have music after movies okay. on my list, but sick. It's what it's whatever. It's whatever. So we'll do movies and then we'll do music and then we'll do TV. We're not talking about books this year, you guys. So sorry, but books are for yeah. nerds. Um, and we're uh, not nerds. Okay, I will <laughs> say I read. Wait, I think I read like six. No, six. I think I read four. Hold on. I still haven't list. finished my just... one. <laughs> oh my god Zachary you were supposed to finish that you said you thought you were going to finish it hey the last two weeks have been busy okay we have had multiple holidays oh multiple trips okay, I got wait. a PlayStation 5 so I've been kind of busy doing oh that and not god. reading oh you've been busy you've been busy with your yeah. PlayStation dude I love okay that thing, wait I'm gonna, I read six books last year wow I'm actually proud of myself um, the only reason though I didn't want to talk about them all is because I didn't like some of them. Well, Ooh, one of Colleen them. Colleen Hoover, then, Core. Yeah, sorry, Coho. <laughs> but I honestly just was like, uh, there's nothing that really I was passionate about this year. So <laughs> it's funny okay. that you're like, oh, I read six books because the other day Robin posted about how many books she read this year. She read 37 okay, books. Isn't that crazy? I know, but it's like, it's hard for me. I, and my goal for this year is to read one <laughs> book a month. So my goal is 12. Oh. Um, yeah. And I set up Goodreads per Robin's recommendation, actually. And oh. She followed me and she liked oh, one wow. of my posts. So super huge shout That's out really to cute. Robin. She's such a supportive yeah. person. Very supportive. I love, love I live. <laughs> so oh anyway, gosh, that's what we're talking like about. Twitching. When you look like a who, when you do that, when you lift your nose up, you look, you like, look a like a who. who. No, who's are cute though. You look like a cute little who. Now you look like a pig. <laughs> Dude, my nose has been twitching all day. I don't know why. Well, okay. That's strange. Just, your nose is excited for this episode. So let's get into it. Okay. Let's get into it. it. Hurry up. Okay. So you guys, first, I have some superlatives, just like I had superlatives last year. Wait, what are you doing? You have a top five, correct? I have one, two, three, four. Yeah, like it was just coincident. I just was like, let me write my okay. favorite movies. And I only had five, so. Okay, sick. Um, I have 15, but I'm going to do like I did last year, which <sighs> was also 15, by the way, where I'm only really going to focus on the top 10. But, you know, there, there are some shout outs. But anyway, superlatives. Also the same as last year, except I added one. Mm -hmm. I think the biggest surprise of this year, I'm, when I say this year, by the way, I'm talking about 2022, you guys, obviously. The biggest surprise yeah. of this year in terms of like, I didn't know what to expect. I didn't have any prior knowledge of like the filmmakers or whatever was Barbarian for sure. I didn't have any expectations going into that. And well, I'll talk more about it later. Um the most disappointing film of this year, meaning I had high expectations. I was stoked to see it. I was hoping for greatness and it let me down entirely. I think you could guess it was Don't Worry, Darling. Don't Worry, Darling. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, because Olivia Wilde's first directorial film, mm, Book Smart, is incredible and hilarious and great and heartwarming. And so I was like interested that she was branching out into this new genre and Florence Pugh is in it. Yeah, and which Florence Pugh is apart. arguably the best part of the movie. Not arguably, inarguably, is the she best, is part, the best yeah. part. Yeah, so that was just that was just horrible. I mean, it's not irredeemable because of Florence Pugh, and it does look really great. But from it a story perspective, it was complete and utter garbage. Also, from a pop culture perspective, this movie did so much for us. So I, I will say, you know, thank you for that. But otherwise, bleh. that's true. That was wild. And Ely didn't like it either. 
right? Yeah. If, if I had to give up superlative, my only superlative for this year was um, worst, wackest, craziest, <laughs> most ridiculous, stupidest shit ever goes to <laughs> Don't Worry Darling. <laughs> I agree. So next, best guilty pleasure. This Ooh. is the film that I know is not great art. In fact, maybe mm. quite the opposite. But I had so much fun. And that is Ambulance. Michael Bay's oh Ambulance. I this, forgot about that. This movie was rad, you guys. And I'm actually oh, really no. sad for anyone who watched it not in a theater. Because it was crazy. Like with all the sound, the drone shots are crazy. They're like swooping up, down, all around, Bollywood buildings. Um, I got the Blu-ray actually, and I went straight to the special uh, features uh, and it's crazy. They hired like these drone operators that are doing these drone shots are legit like 19 years old and they're like, wow. they have no fear. That's with actually the crazy. Wow. Yeah. Um, but it's just a, such a fun film. It's not art at all, <laughs> but this is why the Oscar should have like a stunt category. For real. It's insane. Ooh. This is another argument as to why there should be stunts because there's very little CGI in this movie. A lot of it Wait, is practical. they should have a stunt category. Well, people have that been saying way, that for Top years. Gun wouldn't have to be voted, put in best picture. <laughs> well, it still is, unfortunately. I know. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, loved Ambulance. My okay. next superlative, I had this last year as well. Best part of a movie that is not on this list, the forthcoming best list. This was the tie. Uh, one is the special effects in that movie Fall, the one where they're stuck up on that tower. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Nick and I saw that. Sweaty palms, sweaty feet. Mm, sweaty it assholes. It was actually sweaty assholes, puckered assholes, yeah. It was actually <laughs> really well done. It was crazy. I mean, I, I feel like if it wasn't, if they didn't sell it with the effects, then it wouldn't have gotten that reaction that i'm assuming the filmmakers desired uh everything else about it is not good the acting is really bad the writing is really <laughs> bad but the special effects i felt like they were up on that tower it, so oh my God. bravo I i've suppose. seen actually i've seen a lot of people talk about this movie online in what way um just that well people are saying it's like a new a new classic or something like that you know mm -hmm. that it's gonna be like yeah uh, which i was like yeah. mm, okay it's like a, again it's a i think it's movie. one of those it's it's those people that like don't really know what good you know like don't know how to articulate everyday what americans good movies are. <laughs> yeah so i'm like i take it with a grain of salt but i'm glad you guys enjoyed it because it made you feel things it's a perfect example of a movie you watch once and you never need to watch it again mm. And then the thing it was tied with was the comedy and bros because I didn't like bros like <laughs> in general because it's a romantic comedy and I didn't buy the romance for a second. But oh my God, that film is so fucking funny. It had me crying on multiple occasions. From laughing. Watch it if you're a queer person, please. And, you know, I like Billy Eichner. We talked about this. Okay. I don't understand the Billy Eichner blowback and hate. Even yeah, I think you guys need to take the sticks out of your ass. Like, he's, it's really not that serious. He's, it's a bit, like. <sighs> it's a bit. He did say one stupid thing, though, when he was like, this is the first gay rom-com, which it, it isn't. But, um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> which, Sam, didn't Sam Smith say something like that when they won an Oscar? I'm the first gay man to win an Oscar. But it was like, Oh, for that really Fair bad enough. Bond theme? Yeah. No, that was wild. <laughs> and anyway, my last superlative. This is the film that everyone hated, but I enjoyed. 
And it was actually the first film I saw in 2022. And that was the 355. <laughs> starring such ladies such as Jessica Chastain, Lupita Nyong'o, Penelope Cruz. Oh, it's Diana Kruger. Yeah. Um, that... Oh my gosh, I never saw that. Okay, it got shat on by critics, society. Oh my hey, God. I like spy movies and I like badass women. And I That's had insane. a good time. Okay. Nick they and I hate saw women. it. Yeah. No. They like, make movies that are fine, like seem so much worse just because it's women. My least, like one of my least favorite critiques of all time is when like we have an established genre, like the spy movie genre that's been done to death. And they're like, oh, it's unoriginal. It doesn't do anything new. There have been so many spy movies. I know. They have been to every country. They've done every action scene. It's like, come on. Not every spy movie can be this groundbreaking piece right. of plot. I Ooh. just had a good time. The outfits are good. The looks are good. There is actually stakes, especially towards the end, that I really bought into. I like stakes. Yeah. It was good. So Okay. You heard yeah, it here first. I enjoyed that. And then really quickly, before we get to the actual list, I need to talk about the worst. I'm doing a worst this year because I saw so many films. I think I saw in excess of 70 films in 2022. Oh, my God. Jesus um, Christ. That I had enough to put on a worst list. So I'm going to do that really quick. First of all, Morbius is not on this list because I actually had lots of fun seeing that with Ely. Oh, my God. (laughs) If you weren't there with me, if I saw it by myself, it definitely would be on the worst list. But we had a good time. The experience. Yeah, I feel like... Um, if they marketed that movie as a comedy, maybe. Mm. And so they tried to when they re-released it. They're like, oh, see this right. meme movie. It's morbid no. time. Yeah, shut <laughs> up. <laughs> so the actual worst list. Um, number five. Mm-hmm. So sorry, Robin, is the Fablemans. Um, <gasps> oh, it made it on the worst. Yeah. I didn't think it was going to be worse. I thought it was just going to be like mid. No, I almost made this the most disappointing. But I wasn't looking forward to it as much as I was. Don't worry, darling. So... I think it was disappointing because of the caliber involved. But Spielberg hasn't really been on his shit for a while now. And I don't know. I just feel like this film was mismarketed. and But also the film itself was not engaging to me. So I can understand why others enjoy it. But for me, you're on the worst list. Uh, number four is Lyle Lyle Crocodile. I was very much looking forward to this, hoping it would be another Clifford level success. Now, and it was why not... would you think that? <laughs> because Clifford came out of nowhere and wowed me in 2021. So I thought this would be like that. And it wasn't. Um, e- even if I was sober, I think the plot would have been incomprehensible. Nick and I do not know what happened in this movie. And we both thought that Sean Mendez was going to be talking as Lyle, but Lyle only sings, which I still cannot believe. That's terrifying. And I it, feel bad for Sean Mendez. <laughs> I don't. He probably like got he paid was, a lot for this he movie. Was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it could have been so much more, and it wasn't. So whatever. Uh, number three is Bullet Train. And Bullet Train, it just wasn't funny. It wasn't clever. I really didn't care where the plot was going. And then my biggest issue with it, which my number one also shares this issue, is I'm sick of this new trend of like death and violence as comedy, question mark. 
Like, who, who, he, he, that guy just got killed and he got killed good. That guy got killed in a horrible way. But like, since the anti-hero is doing it, it's funny and cool. It's not funny to me. I I don't have a problem with violence, but I have an issue with that brand of like glorifying violence in a way that I'm like, why are we laughing at this? Or why are we supposed to be like, yeah, this like, it just doesn't, it doesn't register with me in the tone that they were hitting at. And it's like a gun worshiping movie too. There's literally a plot point where Brad Pitt's character, he's anti-gun. And at the end of the movie, someone's like, oh, I bet you wish you had a gun this whole time. Would have made it easier on you. Um, <laughs> and also Sandra Bullock is barely in this film, even though she was in the trailer. Misleading. Ooh. Which now people can sue um, movie, uh, like movie producers. Oh, because of the whole Anna thing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, look that but one. You could guys. sue. <laughs> No, I'm not going to sue. Because she was actually in the film, at least. Ana de Armas wasn't even in, um, what was it, Yesterday was called? Yeah. Anyway, number two uh, is Disenchanted. Very disappointing. Because I really enjoyed the first film. It's very campy. Songs are good. This one was just like candy-colored shit up on my screen. Um, Giselle is like a completely different character. I think Amy Adams just like could not bring it back after she 15 lost years. It. She yeah. lost it. Um, Maya Rudolph, I usually love her and she was not good in this movie. She wasn't funny. It just was shit and it was lazy and it was lazy. Okay. Disney thought they could really pull, pull one over on us with this. Do not watch it. Anyway, can you guess what my number one worst film of 2022 is? I think I can guess. Do you want me to say it? Yes. Black Adam. <laughs> you are correct. Um, emphasis on black because Zach <laughs> hates black people. Oh, my gosh. First of all, you broke up when you were saying Black Adam, which I think makes it funnier. Um... No. Wait, <laughs> did you hear my joke? Yeah, I heard the I heard the joke. But this the title, oh, okay. you broke up a little bit, which makes it okay. funny. But yeah, Black Adam was, um, you know, that, that that edited clip of Beyonce where they're like, you are not funny not talented not smart. <laughs> that's how i feel about black adam it's not funny there's little talent involved it looks like shit like all the cgi looks like shit um the cinematography is shit dwayne johnson has no range he's not funny and again with the fucking like <laughs> death and violence as comedy there's this whole sequence where black adam just tears up a bunch of guys in a really violent violent way like he vaporizes people alive and music has played over it and it's cut in a way that we're supposed to be like yeah black adam is a fucking boss because this movie is for straight men and straight little boys it's not for anyone else i hated it and i could not wait for it to be over wow. and dc is in the mud right wait, now <laughs> and did you see that even dwayne the rock johnson unfollowed the black adam instagram account and the like Ugh. um the like warner brothers instagram accounts like honestly he's at them his attitude has been kind of affecting my opinion of the film because it's so like like lying about the box office, making it seem like right. it was a huge success. Just, just and then get like over the, it. Quotes, yeah, but I think like well, I think his beef with them is about Henry Cavill, but the fact that he's That's even trying to distance worms himself too. from that now. <laughs> oh no, you guys! Like I'm getting a little tired of of live action superhero films because i can't in earnest pretend like i'm not excited for across no, the spider-verse same here but it's um, getting to be too much it's like i yeah. want to see an adult movie that doesn't have someone in a suit or oh. with superpowers i'm sorry yeah. 
So that being said, there are no superhero films on my top 15, which is my segue. By the way, um, two films that almost made it on the list, Pearl and She Said. I'm sorry, you guys, they didn't make the list, but I really enjoyed them a lot. So the top 15, here we go. Are you ready? Number 15 is The Menu. Really enjoyed The Menu. Uh... I think there's been a big wave of like eat the rich movies recently. Last Onion was another one of those. And it kind of bothers me because there's like, like movie stars up in these films, you know, that are millionaires. I think the menu works. a right. little. Yeah. The menu Sorry. works a little bit better because they didn't like the cast is really good. You know, they didn't cast a bunch of millionaires. They cast like C and B great actors. Pretty so faces. Little, yeah. Yeah. It feels a little more genuine, but it's just a really sharp satire, like specifically on like fine dining. Um, and I don't know. I just was really enjoying myself, you know, recommend. And oh my God, you are going to want a cheeseburger after this movie. I'm not going to say anything more, by the way, I'm not going to, include any spoilers for this list really at all i'm gonna try not to like i'm not gonna i'm not gonna give away the twist and barbarian for instance um but i will say you are going to want a cheese burger after this movie oh my god anyway number 14 is emily the criminal starring miss aubrey plaza i talked about this on the podcast um really kind of came out of nowhere and i went and saw it on a whim and it was just this great like you know i love a condemnation of capitalism but it approached it through the lens of like a crime narrative but with this really unexpected protagonist with aubrey plaza and i haven't seen white lotus season two yet i don't watch white lotus but i know everyone's raving about her and i'm just kind of like happy for her that she's on this new career path of being like a legitimate actress because she's, she's really like good her flowers yeah yeah she's really good in this movie really honestly um and it's it's one of those short and sweet it's like an hour 40 minutes in and out and i love that uh another short and sweet film is number 13 which was honk for jesus save your soul which i also talked about with regina hall and um sterling k brown really really good satire about christianity well more so about like the mega churches um that aren't taxed and should be uh <laughs> and also kind of cancel culture but it just really accomplishes this blend of comedy and drama that i think is really hard to do um going from seriously like gut-bustingly funny shit to really dramatic scenes and it doesn't feel totally off at least it didn't to me and they employ this clever trick where it's like a mockumentary most of the time but then you have scenes where you're it's it's like a regular filming device where it's not a mockumentary and i think they use that to really good effect and i i love regina hall i love her so much and she's great in this movie she has a really great monologue towards the end um so I think it's on Peacock now. People should go watch that. Number 12 is Bardo. Uh, I forget the extra long subtitle for this movie, but it's the newest film from Alejandro Gonzalez and Yaratu, who I love. Um, I love how you're making these sound effects, but you're on mute, so I can't hear you. Sorry, I'm just trying to eliminate the possibility of the mic picking up on my family in the living room. Are they yelling? Having to, they're not yelling, but they're just like watching TV and talking and stuff. <laughs> oh, hush, family. Just kidding. Anyway, back to Bardo. So I love 
this filmmaker, he did Birdman and The Revenant. And it's been, I think The Revenant was the last film he directed seven years ago. So uh, even though this was in film in theaters for a very short amount of time, because it's a Netflix film. So they did the whole like a month early in theaters. I was like, I need to go see this in a theater. And I'm really glad I did because it looks gorgeous. There's some really long tracking shots that are really impressive. Um, to be honest with you guys, I think that's what really sells the movie. Like that's definitely my biggest takeaway, but it is just absolutely gorgeous. And even though it's two hours and 45 minutes long, I was hooked the whole time because of these visuals and um, it's the stories. It's that type of situation where it doesn't like you get it once it ends. There's something that happens in like the last 20 minutes where I was like, oh, now I'm on board with what you're trying to say, but I can't really talk about it because it's kind of a spoiler. So I'm not going to talk about it. <laughs> Instead, I'm going to talk about number 11, which is Armageddon Time. Another film I did not expect to love this much, but I did. I think I also talked about this on the pod. No, I talked about it when we came back and we did our like 30 second thing. You remember that? That was kind of fun, wasn't it? Sorry. It was fun. The pop culture quiz and the, uh, or not quiz, but yeah, yeah. Our, our little game. Yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I believe this is one of the ones that I could not get it all out in 30 seconds because this film is just doing so much. Um, it's like autobiographical, but it's also this really interesting film about like, what led us to Trump? I really think that's what the like the kind of the B plot of the film is or the B themes is because uh, this takes place in in like the I think it's 1980 to 1981 in New York City. And a lot was going on in New York during that time. 1981 was actually the most violent year in New York City's history um, because of like the crime problems, of course. Reagan was coming in. This film actually ends with the election of Reagan. And so I think it's it's just showing what put us on this path to where we are now, or more specifically, where we were six years ago when Trump got elected. Um, this like boiling, simmering hatred in America, in the white middle class. You know, there's a bunch of lines in this film that are like the whole, I'm not racist, but this black person is awful type of thing. Um, uh, Trump's sister actually makes an appearance, not herself, but is played by Jessica Chastain in this film. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, Cause the main character, I forget his name, but he is shipped off to a private school at one point. And so Mary Trump makes an appearance cause she went to this actual private school. Of course, the Trump family is ruling New York at this time. And she gives this speech, which is all about like, you know, you're not here because of handouts. You're here because you earned it. This very veiled language of like, you're here because you're white, basically. Um, so it's just operating on these interesting levels. And I can't think of another film that takes place in this time and place, but with the modern context. And I think it sets itself apart too because it's an autobiographical film in a sense that takes place in childhood, but it's not nostalgic. There's lots of these films made specifically by white male directors that are so nostalgic. The Fablemans is a great example. And there's like no examination of what that means sociopolitically. And this film is not afraid of that whatsoever. I actually think the protagonist, he's kind of like, he's implicated in 
his behavior and in his family's behavior. And I think there's like a shame to that, that you really feel. So I thought this one was great and I was not expecting it. I also saw it kind of on a whim. Anyway, I kind of ranted about that one. So I'm going to try and keep it brief for the next one. Number 10, bodies, bodies, bodies. This is just a really entertaining, like, girly on a media moment queer yeah um what did you just go <laughs> girly Anna. it's like the culture <laughs> of the girlies it's girly oh, Anna. yeah okay. um, i have to thank uh violet trotsky and, Va- and got mick for that slang mm. i love it got me <laughs> it's such a good it's such a good word because you you know the girlies you know what that right means. i know so, the girlies. yeah girly Anna, that is like mm-hmm. yeah like gen z girly Anna, queer horror comedy satire like that the film was doing so much but it is great and the twist at the end is so fucking funny like you don't think it's going to be funny but it is funny <laughs> and speaking of funny hands down the best part of this movie do you know who rachel sennett is mm-hmm. well you're gonna know her soon because she steals this movie and she's in um some projects coming up i believe that might get her more traction she is oh yeah hilarious. I've seen her. She is hilarious in this movie. And now I kind of want to see everything she's in. So yeah. Mm, love okay. bodies, bodies, bodies. And it has a great soundtrack. Oh my God. Oh, love that. There's literally a Charlie XCX song banging over the credits. Come of on. course. Your face. <laughs> okay, so number nine. This is when we're getting to Barbarian. I mm, okay. loved Barbarian. And I, I actually was talking <laughs> to Nick about this the other day. I'm a little anxious to watch it again. I've only seen it once because I'm like, Uh, is this a one watch movie? I don't know. Because the reason why I love this film so much is because there hasn't been a film in years where I literally had no idea where it was going. There's again, I'm not going to spoil it, but the film is kind of cut into thirds. And so a third away into the film, something crazy happens out of nowhere. And you're like, what the fuck? And then all of a sudden it cuts and we're in Justin Long's car and he's singing badly, right. driving down. It's like, what is this movie? You never know. And so that aspect of surprise was like absolutely thrilling to me watching this. I feel like it kind of could be, I mean, I haven't seen it, but from how you're describing it, I feel like that's how I felt about Get Out. And I really like rewatching Get Out because every single time I rewatch it, I pick up on something different. And then it's like, oh, it's like, a, I mean, it's not like a new experience every time, mm-hmm. but it's just like you appreciate it more and more because you're like, wow, they really thought this through and like did yeah. the most. So the reason why I'm nervous to rewatch it, though, is because like, what if it doesn't it's scary? Hold up? No, what if it doesn't hold up? Like, what if that thrill is not the same? Because I know it's coming. Because mm-hmm. now you know the twist. Yeah. But upon first watch, I was so into it. And it's genuinely horrifying. Which is funny because it's also genuinely hysterical. There are some parts of the film that are really funny. The last shot pre-credits like the way the film ends is funny mm-hmm. it's hard to explain it's like a dark humor anyway if you have not watched barbarian eliana reed you need to watch it well let's say maybe we can watch it together because also <gasps> i kind of i feel like i kind of know the the twist so uh, maybe we'll have like a similar experience well you've seen the memes you know yeah i've seen yeah so i'm yeah. like oh, i you've think i get it. it this is a potential mother um that's my favorite meme <laughs> <laughs> anyway let's move on number eight is a documentary it's the sole documentary on this list which is wild because oh, the last okay. the last two years my number one films have been documentaries oh um but no 
Number eight is the highest documentary and it's called Accepted. Um, it's about this private high school. I think it's K, uh, not K through eight. Um, it might be six through 12, but anyway, it's a small private school called TM Landry in Louisiana, I believe. Um, and it's very interesting because the filmmakers, they just set out to make a documentary about the school that is predominantly populated by black low-income students. It's, it was founded by a black couple serving that community. And they were consistently getting um, acceptances into Ivy Leagues like Harvard, Stanford. Um, I think they said there was like a 98% college acceptance rate for this whole school. So the filmmakers were like, wow, let's go see what this is about. And so for like the first half, you're like, oh, okay. This man who's like the figurehead of the school, he has some interesting methods, but he, you know, he's got chutzpah and it's clearly working. And these kids are very passionate and talented. And then while they were making this story came out of abuse at the school and falsified transcripts and all this. So these filmmakers, I guess, got extremely lucky. In Holy sense. shit. Um, yeah. so it's, it's fascinating watching the film like diverge into this completely different thing, which actually becomes very sad and really emphasizes how meritocracy is a problem, especially when you're not like white middle class or rich white kid. Um, yeah. That meritocracy is like this boundary to you. Um so I don't want to talk about it much more because I think people should watch it, but it's kind of wild that that happened to them while they were making, I mean, people say the documentaries, you don't know what they are until you're done shooting it, but it was really yeah. was the case this one. That's why I feel like people that make documentaries are like actually so exceptionally talented because like you, the afterward, after filming, like the editing and like finding the story within the footage is what's like really the hardest part. And yeah. the fact that they do it so well, it's like, if I see a really good documentary, I'm like, holy shit these people popped off yeah and another reason why it's sad too is because it's it it's i feel like in this country in particular but also just in life but really in america like people can do things that you took no part in you have no fault in but will legitimately ruin your life and will set your life on a course that you will have a really hard time correcting and some of these kids which are brilliant bright kids like their lives will suffer because of the actions of this one man. And that sucks. This movie made me yeah. cry a lot. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, anyway, let's just move on. Number seven mm -hmm. is Resurrection starring Rebecca Hall. Uh, this is another one during the 30 second roundup that I just did not have enough time to adequately say my feelings on it. I feel like I actually don't have much to say just that Rebecca Hall is absolutely phenomenal and she's such an underrated actress and she absolutely kills everything that she's in um and i can't really even describe the plot of this film without just i mean it's basically like rebecca hall is this successful woman she's a single mother you don't know what her past is about she's very like unlikable like she sets you on edge with just her behavior and then one day someone from her past reemerges. And she's extremely paranoid about it. And you have no idea why and until you do have an idea why. Um, but I mean, it's Rebecca Hall. I don't know what else to say. Rebecca Hall killed it. And it's very original. And if you are, I mean, I'm not a mother, but I feel like if you're a mother, this might fuck you up. Because it's about like motherhood. 
underlined and boldened <laughs> in all its flaws and everything. So, you know, some women, they have, I see this on TikTok a lot. They'll make a list of like reasons why not to have a kid. And I feel like they'll add the movie. It's like, no, it's, it's one girl <laughs> that has this long ass oh, list yeah. and everybody tags her and stuff. <laughs> well, she should but, add yeah. this film to the list. <laughs> reasons not to be a mother. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So it's really phenomenal. Anyway, number six is a film I have not gotten a chance to talk about on this podcast because I watched it after we did the 30 second roundup and I just didn't make it my media moment for some reason. But it's called God's Country, starring uh, Tandy Way Newton, formerly known as Tandy Newton, but then she changed her name, of course. And this is a very interesting film. It takes place in like Buckwild, nowhere, Montana. And she's just this woman living alone with her dog. She's works at the local college. And one day this pickup truck just parks on her property. And she's like, Hey, can you not park on my property? It's my property. And they're hunters. And they're like, well, what's your fucking problem? Like this, like your property is huge. Like we're just hunting. And she's like, cause it's my property. And I say, so you shouldn't be here. And that begins this, it takes place over the span of a week. Um, this back and forth butting heads between her and these hunters and it just is a fascinating movie about like generational trauma and well, okay, let me, let me illustrate that by talking about the best scene in the film. So we find out she used to be a police officer of all things in New Orleans, in Louisiana. And she has a conversation with the local cop um, in this film where he's, asking her like why she left because now it's like she's randomly like an English professor in Montana and she basically is talking about another amazing like long take just holding on an actor's face which I love if you can sell that like that happens in Pearl it happens in Resurrection and I just think it's like I don't know how actors do that it's always actresses too because women can act Um, anyway um, she's talking about how like when Katrina happened and she saw all of the suffering around her and realized that she failed, they couldn't do anything. The government failed them. She had this aha moment where she's like, okay, well, this is fucked. I can't do this job. And that's what caused her to like take her mom and leave. She's and a cob. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> pretty much it's, I mean, I, it's hard to, it's hard to convey like why that scene hits so much, I suppose, but I don't know. It's just a phenomenally active film. Tandy Way Newton, she's not going to get an Oscar nomination for this, but I feel like she should. Um, and the ending, particularly the last shot, this is probably, it is, this is my favorite last shot of 2022. It is crazy. Um, but highly recommend another short and sweet. It's like an hour, 45 minutes. Love that. Talk about short and sweet, my number five and number four too, actually. But my number five is Brian and Charles. I talked about this on the pod, I think. It's a quaint little British film about the inventor that makes a robot out of a washing machine and a mannequin head. I don't remember this. It was like early summertime, late spring. Um, God, this was like simultaneously the fastest year of my life and also the longest. I feel like I shit that happened this year. I'm like, that was just this year? Yeah. <laughs> But there's not much to say about this besides it is the sweetest thing. Um, It also made me cry at the end. It is funny as fuck, especially if you like British people like me. It is so fucking funny. 
And it's just about like the the bond of friendship. And I love that. It's just a very, <laughs> it's a very simple movie in the You're best such a sucker way. for that shit. <laughs> no, I love it. I do love it. You know what? Actually, Nick like psychoanalyzed me the other day. I don't remember how this came up, but he was like, do you think the reason why you love E.T. and like other movies like that is because you were an only child and you didn't have a lot oh of friends? God. And I was like, oh, my, oh God. my God. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I was an only child. I still am. And there was a period of my life, particularly like middle school, when I really started to fall in love with movies that I had basically zero friends. So he's kind of got a point. And I am a sucker for that sort of thing. So when this movie about a lonely little inventor making a robot that can talk to him comes into my life. I love it. Also short and sweet. Did you also like that um, Joaquin Phoenix movie? Um, what was it? With Scarlett Johansson? Her, I can't remember what it's called. Yeah. Her is a phenomenal film. You like that shit? But that's <laughs> like, have you seen that? No. That's actually like a really sad movie to me. It's like depressing. Oh. It's, yeah. If, if you guys haven't seen Her Homework Assignment, that film oh, is incredible. Oh and also, Spike Jones, I'm pissed at you. He directed that film. He directed um, Eternals. No, he did not. He directed Being John Malkovich. Um, he made all these great films. He hasn't made a single film since her. And that came out oh, 10 years ago. I remember that came out. I was in high school. Like, what the fuck? Anyway, we're not talking about her. We're talking about okay, we're sorry. all going to the World's Fair, which is my number four, which I know for a Ooh. fact I have not mentioned on this podcast. Um it's kind of a difficult one to talk about. It's very short. It's 80 minutes long. It's from this first time filmmaker. And it's basically has one, has two characters, but really one character, this teenage girl named Casey. And the film starts and it's this eight and a half minute long shot of just her face. What was I talking about? Actresses holding a shot. Um, yeah. And she's, you're not sure what she's doing at first and you realize that she's about to do one of those like online challenges like a creepypasta type challenge and yeah where she's saying like you know i want to go to the world's fair i want to go to the world's fair and she i don't know it's like this thing you participate in um and there's not really a plot to this movie at all it's just really about like how I don't know it sounds really generic but how sad it is for this chronically online generation I don't even want to particularly say Gen Z because I think this could also apply to millennials but um Casey lives like in rural Pennsylvania you could tell she lives with her single father but we never see him like he's I mean suggesting that he's like absent and it just really creates this feeling of isolation and her online-ness lends to that. And the film goes to just some really creepy places. Like this film really creeped me out, but behaviorally. There's no jump scares. There's not really any imagery. It's just behaviorally, it creeped me out. And it's a real mood piece. And actually, I need to look up the actress's name because I don't remember and I want to give her a shout out because like I said she's basically the only character in the film and she's phenomenal it's her first big role her name is Anna Cobb she was also in that film Bones and All that I saw with Timothy Chalamet and Taylor Russell um, but she's excellent and if you want to be disturbed and you want to watch an interesting film about 
the internet and being online, you should watch We're All Going to the World's Fair. Okay, the top three. You ready? These are the ones I, these are like tens out of tens, phenomenal. I think you could probably guess what they are, but we're going to get into it. Number three is Char, starring the mm -hmm. one and only Kate Blanchett. This one was your medium, or did we just talk about it together? I don't remember. I can't um, remember either. But you guys, Kate Blanchett is an. Actress. I actually really want to see this. I do really want to see this. You should, because it's kind of crazy to me that this movie even got made. I'll probably be saying that again, but anyway, um, because it's a it's a fictional story about a fictional, like legendary composer. It's two hours and 40 minutes long. Todd Field directed it. He hasn't made a film in like, I think over 15 years or something like that. It just came out of nowhere and is this masterpiece of a character study. Um, this masterpiece commentary on this whole like cancel culture notion we have going on but not in a expected way again i'm not trying to say or spoil anything and the film is also just really haunting in clever little ways and it's that sort of thing you know that it's kind of a subgenre like women going mad like black swan is a good example of that for instance it's not that intense at all it's more subdued but there are moments in the film that you genuinely have no clue, okay, is this a delusion or is this actually happening? And because of the way the narrative is structured, you genuinely don't know. And I still don't know, even after seeing the film, there are some scenes I'm like, did that actually happen like in the world of the film or was she just like fucking delusional? Anyway, but you got to see this because of Kate Blanchett. Holy God, I love Michelle Yeoh. I would be so happy if Michelle Yeoh won. But if Kate Blanchett won her third Oscar for this movie for Best Actress, I would certainly not be complaining. This is the best thing she's ever done. I don't know how she's ever going to top this in her career. And if she does, then by hell, she deserves the Oscar because this is crazy. There is a 10 minute long scene. It is one shot. It is unbroken where she's basically giving a lecture I don't know how she memorized all those lines, first of all. And then there's so much, like she just is this character. She created this character, imbues it, knows every in and out of Lydia Tarr. It's crazy to me. It's just a crazy thing to watch. I love it. I want to see it again so badly. I'm probably going to buy it soon. Anyway, my number two is Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. Yes, I'm being serious. Um, this is a beautiful movie. Actually, yes. I will say this is like one of the most, like statistically, one of the most beloved movies of the year. So you are not. Yeah. Alone. So you're not a freak. <laughs> no, I know I'm not. People that have seen this film, they know. It is a beautiful movie about life. And enjoy. honestly, the top two films really taught me stuff this year, particularly the first one, which I'll be getting to. Zach, learn things. Yeah. But the top two films, they both in different ways taught me that like, you just, you got to enjoy the almost like mundaneity of life. Because life isn't this always super special, crazy thing where everything's always happening. Maybe for some few lucky people it is, but for most of us, it's not. And so you have to really try and just sit in it and enjoy the little moments. And Marcel Shell really taught me that. It's just a really lovely piece of movie making. The stop motion is so precious. 
Um, I actually watched, I, I got the Blu-ray for Christmas and I was watching special features. They didn't do the stop motion on location. They did it like on a green screen and superimposed it on stuff they shot. So they basically shot the film twice. They shot all the shots with without the little figures and they shot the little figures and they superimposed it, which is crazy. Um, but yeah, we love Marcel. Nick actually got me, It's it was on pre-order. I don't know why they didn't release this for Christmas, but a24.com, they made little Marcel figures. Like, I think it's an actual shell and everything. And Nick got me one for Christmas. And it's supposed to come in the mail, I think, it, that's so cute yeah i think it's supposed to come sometime this month and i'm psyched i'm gonna put that little guy in my shell yeah, and imagine that jenny slate is talking to me <laughs> and you ready for my segue jenny slate also makes an appearance in my number <laughs> you were waiting to say that <laughs> yeah okay so if you guys don't already know i think it's probably extremely obvious to anyone who knows me but my number one film of the year and one of my number one films of my whole entire fucking life is everything everywhere all at once um so I watched this again last night, actually. It was my it was my eighth time watching this oh film. Oh, my God. Actually, I can't even talk because that's how many times I saw Twilight in theaters. So. Oh, yeah. Well, I saw this film four times in theaters, and then I just watched it for the fourth time at home oh. last mm. night. And it just is like I've, I th I'm pretty sure that for the rest of my life, I will be talking about this film in the same breath as E.T., and Donnie Darko. Wow. It is one of my favorite films I've ever seen. And it is so incredibly dear to me. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I think, you know, I could talk about the amazing performances, which they are amazing. Oh, I, I can't wait. really, I'm getting so excited actually, because I this film is, is picking up Oscar traction. It's actually the front runner for best picture now. If you can believe it, it's not the Fablemans. It's everything ever. It's one. not the Fablemans. Um, I'm going to cry when Kiyoi Kwan collects his Oscar. I'm going to sob. Because that's I... almost a sure thing. Just just the history of this film is is just, it's again, it's crazy that this got made. That th there's no other film like it. It's completely unique. What the Daniels had to do to plan all this out, the way that they cast it, you know, it was supposed to be helmed by a male. They wanted Jackie Chan and then they changed it to Michelle Yeoh. And there really isn't yeah. another, like, can you think of another drama action comedy led by an Asian woman in her 50s? No. I can't. Um, and, of course, Kihoi Kwan hadn't acted for years and years and years because he, he literally came couldn't get anything. Out and killed it. Killed it. Killed it. Uh, Stephanie Chu killed it. Like, I hope she gets a supporting actress nomination. I just think, like, Everything works so phenomenally, phenomenally and perfectly well because everyone had so much passion and love for this project and it just really all came together and they created this miracle movie. I really think this movie is like a miracle. I cannot believe that they were able to do this. But I think it came along at just the right time in my life and it really taught me something. Like it really, truly taught me a lesson that I think I will carry with me for the rest of my life. And I think it's important for everyone to hear. And if you haven't watched this movie, I think you should go watch it if you're listening. But that is, it is impossible to find objective meaning in your life. It's impossible. Like there is no objective meaning to life. So you have to get by on your subjective meaning of your life. So that's like the whole thing in the film about like 
nothing matters, so therefore everything matters, really is profound. And I don't know, it just, it just really did something for me. And I should just stop because I feel like my words don't do it justice and it means a lot to me. And I love it to death. Please go watch it if you haven't seen it. You've seen it. Yes, I've seen it. Um, and this is my segue because I hope it's on your top five. It is in my top five. And I actually have decided for my <gasps> five, I'm going to go from best oh, down, okay. which it doesn't really have an impact, but um, I just, I, I like, I, I ordered everything the way I want to. So oh, okay. <laughs> I'm very excited. Okay, so um, everything everywhere all at once is my number one because of course yes. for all the things you said it was unique I've never seen anything like it the performances were amazing um, the storyline was incredible it was just it was such an experience and I too will never forget it and I'm really excited to see how it does in award season yes um, then my number two for the year was Black Panther Wakanda Forever oh. um because something that's been like so refreshing after we just talked about like the fatigue um from all the marvel movies and just like how it just feels like too much and we're tired of superhero movies mm -hmm. i feel like this movie i didn't really have that because it just is so like radically different from the others and like it's just it's so black and i love it and it's <laughs> not in a and it's not like black like in a way where they're like just throwing in black references to be cool like you can tell black people made this movie and so it just felt like so good to watch. And of course, it was a, such an emotional experience, especially after yeah. Chadwick Boseman's passing. And it was great. And it was also great to see a like Mexican antagonist. Um, a hot Mexican antagonist. Really hot. Yeah. <laughs> we love him. <laughs> um, it was just, I really liked it. I really liked it. And I'm so happy to see, I mean, light spoiler alert, but Disney basically spoiled this for you. I'm so happy to see Shuri go from like oh, yeah. a comedic relief character in the first movies to now being like the hero yeah why are you making that face who my family not really no them? no okay that's the sound suppression on these mics oh wow dude uh, <laughs> straight people love being loud <laughs> okay anyway um my next favorite movie of the year which i know you didn't love it but i fucking oh, loved no. it was glass onion uh. <laughs> I love the Knives Out. Like, I love the way that they've been going with these two. So I'm, like, really excited to see the other ones. And I hope they do, like, because the first one was in the fall. This one's in the summer. I hope that they do one per season because that would be amazing. Imagine a Knives oh, Out movie, cool. like, in winter vibes. Like, that would be really cool. So, Brian cool, Johnson, yeah. if you're listening to this, <laughs> please. <laughs> <laughs> but I liked it. Janelle Monet is crazy good in this. She's awesome. I normally hate the, like, trope sometimes it's like really oh, annoying because yeah. it feels like a cop-out wow. it's like spoiler oh, oh, you had a twin oh my god <laughs> <laughs> i don't really care i don't like the movie so <laughs> wait you might you should cut that out <laughs> oh, okay, okay okay i'll cut it out i'll cut it out i'll cut it out sorry, but i'll keep this just, part in so they know that it's a spoiler i just spoiled it okay sorry we just had to cut out a spoiler <laughs> well, i can't really say how i feel now <laughs> Janelle Monet did do a good job. Janelle Monet yeah. slayed. Um, <laughs> Daniel Craig is so good at this character. Like Benoit Blanc is so fucking funny, and like, it's just I just love it. I think it was really fun to watch, and I had a good time with it. I think my initial reaction was that I thought it was going to be like that. I thought it was 
better than the first one but now that i've sat with it a little bit i feel like the first one is better um but this one's still good it still holds up and i feel like this form this formula isn't getting like tired like it's still it's still good it's working for us so i'm i'm enjoyed it i'm glad it works for you yes okay <laughs> um the next movie um that i have on my list is doctor strange in the multiverse of madness again uh-huh. another superhero movie but y'all have to give me grace because i didn't really see a lot of movies this year okay <laughs> Um, but I actually really like this one solely because I think Sam Raimi did like a really good job with it. Like, and then, yeah. I, I don't know. I mean, I obviously have seen the Spider-Man movies, but I haven't seen any of his like other stuff. Like, you've seen Evil stuff. Dead. Ugh. No, I haven't. And so this was like my first experience on how he does that. And it was really good. Like a lot of people, I don't know. I don't think, I mean, I think a lot of people didn't like it because the villain was a woman and like, you know, she was awesome. But yeah. like I really liked what they did with Wanda. I mean, I think I liked what they did with Wanda's character. It was really and it was really scary. It was creepy and like I, yeah, I he did visually he did get away with some creepy bit. stuff. I love the the yeah. look into the camera. Oh my gosh, that was I think we all like jumped a little bit. <laughs> yeah, I don't really understand people's critiques. Well, it's it's probably like the straight men that have a problem with it, like you hinted. The only critique I do understand is people saying it's called multiverse of madness and they really only go to one. Yeah, that universe. was kind of annoying. I feel like and I feel like this is partially to blame on the fans. We like really hyped it up that there was gonna be like all we these did, yeah. cameos and like all this stuff. And I feel like none of that was ever really confirmed. So it was like, where did you really get that from? I don't know. But I thought it was pretty it was enjoyable. It was cool. I didn't hate it. It was really cool looking and it was so di- again like very different from the other ones that we've got like other marvel movies that we've gotten even just this year or like in this phase four so i thought it was great i had a lot of fun with it yeah it gave us some cool shit for sure i mean and that was our the believe it or not you guys this was the first marvel movie you and i got to see together for the first time so it was it was kind of special to me and there was was some cool stuff that we were not expecting a a certain reveal I think we, we can reveal. I, okay, I think it's been long enough that I can say John Krasinski coming in as Reed Richards. The whole, we like the way out, the whole yeah. theater reacted to that was so awesome, and one of those moments that I'm like, I'm so glad I got to be in the theater. For yeah. That. So it was special. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, and okay. and the the casting reveal in the end credits was not expected. Oh my that. gosh! And I love course. that actress. So I was like, love that. Oh that we won't. That that I won't spoil because no, yeah, I feel like that. That's bigger. Yeah. That's bigger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. Okay. Now the last one we haven't really talked about, and I feel like it's gonna kind of throw you off. So, <laughs> oh. which I don't even know. I feel like this technically counts as a movie, but one of my favorites <laughs> is a comedy special on Netflix from oh. Hassan Minhaj called "The King's Jester." I usually don't watch comedy specials like at all because nine times out of ten it's like Nick Kroll who uh, doesn't really do my type of comedy. I don't really like John Mulaney. Um, I don't like Dave Chappelle, obviously. So it's like I don't like Kevin Hart. I usually don't like watching stand-up specials because it's just kind of like they're never that funny. But this was fucking funny. It was hilarious. Hassan Minhaj is amazing he's super brilliant and i didn't know anything about his show the patriot act and so he did like a really good job like catching the audience up on like how that show came to be all the shit that went down while he was doing it with netflix and like in a really funny way but i also the one thing that i loved the most about this that honestly makes me want to watch it again is that he does this so flawlessly where he bounces between like using comedy to like actually share what like life lesson he learned from that moment. And you can tell, like, you can just like see how he can like turn it on and turn it off. Like how he can 
get really serious and be like, no, like this is real shit. And you, and he doesn't have to like say it, you know, like, it's just like, you can feel the the shift between like what he's saying and what he's like really saying, you know, I don't even know how to explain it. You just have to watch it. Cause it's, he does it really well. And I feel like not a lot of comedians do that. So it was like, I really felt like I learned a lot um, about like his personal growth as just as a husband and as a father. So that was really special. And I really liked it. Interesting. It's on Netflix. Yes. I feel like I've been like edged with stand-up comedy because I see clips a lot on TikTok and I'm and the algorithm knows me well enough. I'm yes. like, oh, this is funny. So part of me is yes. like I feel like it's been trying to get me to watch a stand-up special for a minute. Um, I haven't seen yeah. clips from his, but no, this one I saw should. clips on TikTok and on Instagram, and I was like, wait, that was actually really funny. And so then I was like, <laughs> let me watch it. Let me watch it. And it was really good. It was really good. He's really funny. Um, yeah, I loved it. Wow. So those are all my movies. Wow. Okay. Look at you. Last year you only had one pick. You only just picked one film. So I did. Yeah. You. Um. Uh. I don't remember. You probably agreed with one of mine. But anyway. <laughs> okay. Shall we move on to music? Our favorite. We're calling it our favorite mu- music projects of 2022 Mm -hmm. so that we could include singles and stuff maybe yes why don't you introduce what this is all about yeah yeah um no i'll go first since you um talk for an hour Uh (laughs) all right (laughs) i went i literally went to school for this i'm just giving you shit okay Okay. well i went to school for this so um (laughs) we're gonna talk about our favorite music projects i broke mine up into albums and singles oh shit Um, okay so that's just what I'm going to share. I, I I kind of have a good amount for this one, but I'm going to kind of oh, okay. go through them, kind of like just kind of read them off. Um, and then if I have thoughts, I'll share thoughts. But I don't really have like comments because I feel like music oh. is very subjective. So oh, that is true. Media is um, subjective. Okay. Mm, okay. Unless you're out here thinking <laughs> Black Adam is art, then you're subjectively <laughs> wrong. <laughs> okay. Um. Okay. So my top albums, I actually did try and rearrange these into like, the order of them but i love all of them (laughs) okay so my number one but this is like hands down my number one album for the year that came out this year which also have to emphasize this zach insists that we only talk about media that was released in 2022 which i think is bullshit but um which we won't go in depth on but no 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 my top why do you think it's bs (laughs) it's it's Okay, when you go into an art museum, for instance, oh and you look God. at the little placard, it puts the year that the artist like was done with the painting and is like, this is the main, like, so okay. film and TV and? music is art, right? So when people like look back at it historically, they're not going to be like, oh, Ileana Reed really loved this album from 2021 that she listened to a lot in 2022. So so therefore it's a piece of 2022 media. No, no it's when they released not, but it. But we're talking about our favorite media of 2022. Yes, that was therefore, released in 2022. No, no. So I was like, um, no Summer so Walker. Hypothetically, well, hold on. <laughs> hypothetically, if I discovered a new artist and that was like the soundtrack of my life, but their album came out in 2021, I wouldn't be able to talk about that. No, because that is a 2021, like, that's what your media See, moment is for. but that's what for. I'm saying, though. That's why this is skewed, because interesting. these are my favorite albums that were released this year, but might not necessarily be my favorite albums of this year, like, that I was vibing this year. Okay, you know what? Why don't you, if you oh, want to have gosh. your moment, why don't you tell us the 2021 stuff you lived for this year that you- Well, but- no, because this is the 2022 okay. media moment. Okay. Okay. Well, I and know you- that Summer Walker <laughs> album is one of them because that came out in like November, 2021. 
Yeah, again, late 2021. So I listened to it mostly in 2022. But it, this is besides the point. I'm on a clock here. Oh my <laughs> God. Okay, let me talk. <clears throat> okay, SOS by SZA is my favorite album from this year. I have not listened to anything else since it was released, which was <laughs> only three weeks ago. But still, I seriously am obsessed with this album and it, it's just amazing. I hate that we that this is only the second album we've gotten from SZA in all this like in five years. Yeah, because, what the like, fuck? Yeah, she <laughs> really she. Oof, it was worth it though. Here. It was worth it. Yeah. Oh, totally. Yeah, yeah. And I also just saw a TikTok from the guy that produced her song "Low," and I just love watching. I'm like, I'm glad I'm on producer talk now because I love watching <laughs> them like show how they did it. It's actually really dope. Um. Okay. My album number two of. 2022 is of course Harry's House by Harry Styles. <laughs> it was a close number one, but I feel like the proximity of Sis's album coming out so recently just put her over him. But you know we love Harry. We love Harry in this house. This is Harry's house. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Um, and then um, my next favorite album, which I believe is actually an EP, not an album, is "Don't Say I Didn't Warn You" by Nisha. This was like really. This is Nisha's first solo project, like that she wrote and sang for herself. She's like a mostly a songwriter, and so I'm really excited to see her do some more solo music. She actually just toured recently, and she did come to Silver Spring, and I didn't go. And I'm kind of like, Bitch, why didn't you go? Ooh. Oh, did she come to the Fillmore? That's like two blocks away mm -hmm. from me. <laughs> yeah, she did, and so I kind of wish I would have gone. But it's, it's standing fine. room only, though. We don't like that. We can't She's be doing that at our big age. Artist. Yeah, I know. But this uh, this was a great little this was like a great first project. So I'm excited to see what else she does. Um, and then Five Seconds Flat by Lizzie McAlpine. Um, I don't really have that much to say. I just I love like Lizzie Miss I love Licky. I, <laughs> <laughs> I love Lizzie McAlpine. I actually again, if this was if this was not so restricted. <laughs> Her first album, um, Give Me a Minute, would be on here because that album is my shit. But oh. this album is really good, too. <laughs> and then I also kind of cheated. Well, this isn't cheating because this was released this year, but Control Deluxe by <laughs> my favorite album. No, it's not cheating because it did come okay. out this year. So It did. And there's five new songs. Um, and then I also did, so I did like some, or I did an honorable mention for albums. Um, I put Don FM as honorable mention just because um, I like the concept. Didn't really like totally love the album as a whole, but uh, I did like a couple of songs here and there, which I'll talk about when I go into singles. I, I, I did like a couple of songs and I pulled them out. And then I like, put them on their own playlist that I like, so I could feel like I was listening to <laughs> FM. I mean, the concept is cool, but I feel like the problem with the weekend is that he's focusing too much on creating these like large scale, like cool concepts, and not really focusing on like making good music. Um, <laughs> I think it's not bad. It's not bad, but it's just like his old stuff is way better. It's like, is he not your oh. favorite artist anymore? Mm. Well, I don't even know how he made it into my top five artists on Spotify this year. I genuinely don't. Um, but I don't know. I think, I mean, like, as a whole, I still think he's, yeah, He, I would say he's one of my favorite artists, but his new stuff just keeps getting worse. Oh. Um, I will actually, no, I'll say I think this is, oh, I like this better than I like Starboy, but mm, not my fave. But I'll give it an honorable mention because it was kind of cool. If you don't know, the concept is like 
the album is like a radio station that leads you into the afterlife and it's narrated by Jim Carrey. So it is really cool. Um, but yeah, it's fine. Oh. Um, okay. Should I go into my singles really quick? Sure. Hey, you hey. don't have to be quick. You can go as slow as you want. Okay. <laughs> um, so my favorite singles of the year, and I put this in singles because there were some people where I was like, they didn't release an album this year, but they had a really good single or they did release an album. And I was like, your album was trash, but I liked this one song. So um, that's hilarious by Charlie Puth is I think like my favorite single from the year. And it was also very like the, my most anticipated. And I feel like it paid off. I was really looking forward to this because Why? He, like, can I say, oh, damn, <laughs> <laughs> sorry. I was really looking like looking forward to this because he made it like on TikTok. And so I was watching like while he was putting this song together and I was like, okay, can you just release it already? Because uh <laughs> I really like some sad girl shit. And I feel like this is like big sad, well, sad boy shit. But so I don't know. I love this song. Um, and I was just I was when he finally was like, okay, that's hilarious. This is the next single. I was like, yes. Because he was literally listening to the clips that he posted on TikTok over and over again, like, okay, can you just drop it? <laughs> and then he did. So I was very happy. And then my next one is the best best friends remix by the weekend and Summer Walker. Best Friends is a song on Don FM that I actually was my favorite on Don FM. And then they did the remix, and then it was with Summer Walker. I was like, ah, <laughs> so yeah, I love that one. And then, which we haven't talked about this, and I don't know why, but Chloe's song for the night, which came out actually quite recently. Oh, yes. Oh, my God. One of my favorite songs of the year. And I will say this is the best song Chloe has released so far. This is my favorite. Out of the it's... what? Three? <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the best one. So I love that song. Hmm. Um, Nonsense by Sabrina Carpenter, which mm. I don't know if you listened to it, but no, it's I funny. think it's really cute. It's funny. I'm going to interject really quick right here. We forgot to mention that we did make an exhausted favorite songs of 2022 playlist that's up on Spotify. I shared it to our story and it's on a highlight. Um, if you guys want to look at it, but it's 25 or it's 50 songs, 25 each of our favorites. And I have been listening to that actually to get a taste Me of what too. Ileana Reed um, loved from this year. So I think I've actually listened to all the songs that you've mentioned. I do like the Chloe song. Can't say I like the Charlie Puth one. And I really can't say I like the Sabrina Carpenter one, but I'm curious as to why you like it so much. <laughs> I think it's cute. Like it's fun. Like also my favorite, like sub, not like genre of music, but like I'll say category of music is like, the songs you can tell people write when they like just first meet someone and they have like they're in their cute little crush like moment with oh, them yeah and so that's why um the song late night talking from harry harry's house is my favorite like harry actually a lot of his songs are like that where it's like you know like cute little like oh i like you that kind of <laughs> so like that's how i felt about this song and i was like oh that's so cute and i actually the song is like my brushing my teeth song so i listen to it when i'm brushing my teeth because Wait, it's what? like short enough Every day? <laughs> Twice a day? Um, about, yeah. Because it's like short enough <laughs> that it's like, okay, this is how long I should be brushing my teeth for. But it's also like I'm bopping while I'm brushing my teeth. So it works. That's wild. Um, So yeah, it's really fun. And then the next song on here is Betty Get Money by Young Gravy. Because this song oh is just like stupid fun to listen to. <laughs> like obviously it doesn't really like mean anything. And I think the Rick Astley sample is so genius because it's such a like big piece of internet culture 
um yeah that i think it's it was really great to actually make it into another song so i love listening to this song it's so much fun um and then the next song i have on my list is uh thames's cover of no woman no cry from the black panther uh what kind of forever soundtrack it's just thames is great um and it sounds beautiful and it makes me cry actually every time i'd be like oh, I do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah and it also reminds me of like when we first saw the trailer and it was like oh, oh that trailer was that. phenomenal yeah the trailer yeah. was amazing and then the last song which nick called me out for on facetime is overpass graffiti by ed sheeran <laughs> now Again, this is a scenario where I like one or two songs off the album and not the whole album. Ed Sheeran has kind of fallen off for me. I don't know. He was one of my favorite artists in college. And now I'm like, boo, what are you doing? But this song is also like really sweet. It's just it's like about first love. And it's like, oh, yeah, I like that. He has a lot of songs about that so. now, doesn't he? Mm-hmm. <laughs> What's what he do? <laughs> Those are my music favorites. Oh, my okay. Music, musical musical projects. Well, I only wanted to call out three singles and then five projects, I guess you could call them. So I'll go through the singles very quickly. First of all, um, Pink Panthress. Uh, I'm kind of like Ely in the sense where I didn't discover her till the very end of 2021, but she didn't release any albums in 2022, unfortunately. She did release a couple singles. Uh, but I absolutely love her. I hope she puts out another album soon because um, To Hell With It is incredible. That came out in 2021. But she released two singles this year that I really love. One of them, the first one was Where You Are featuring Willow, which that was one of those like they teased it on TikTok and they finally released it. Love that song. <laughs> and then recently, I don't know, you know, sometimes artists do this thing where they'll release a couple of singles in relatively quick succession, but on Spotify, it shows up and they're all together. And it's like, is this an EP? Oh. Or is it just the three singles that, the, you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know. It is kind of confusing. Yeah, so she released three more singles in the last like couple of months of the year and they all slap, but one in particular called Take Me Home, which just came out like two weeks ago. I've been listening to that non-fucking stop. That is 100% going to be on my top five songs for Spotify Wrapped next year i can guarantee next year mm. that's like that song alone is my uh sos by sism love that song Ooh, okay um and then i also wanted to call out goldie boutillier who no one has probably ever heard of her i think i've mentioned her briefly <laughs> you know i like her oh she released this ep in 2018 called very best it's only like six songs and it is one of the best pop records i've heard like in the last 10 years i love it it's like this disco fun thing and then she went radio fucking silent i think she's also a model on the side so i guess that's maybe how she was making her money and then this year all of a sudden she's back but oh what do i see the old songs are now under goldilocks on spotify and now under oh Goldie she's Bo in a rebrand yeah and now under goldie boutillier she's releasing new music and she's basically gone like folk country Ooh. And I thought when I first got wind of this, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? But then in particular, I listened to the second of her new singles called Cowboy Gangster Politician. And this song is one for the record books. It slaps. It makes me want to go for a drive and have my windows down. And and it's it's great. And I actually really love this new vibe. And I really like her voice. She has a very unique voice. 
And then the last thing, single I want to call out, do you remember who Sky Ferreira is? You remember her? Yes, yes. Okay, she hasn't released music for years upon years upon years. I think it's been the better part of a decade. <laughs> well, yeah. for those of you who don't know Sky Ferreira, she, um, she came out with this fantastic album. I think it was 2013 called Nighttime My Time, which was like definitely one of the albums of high school, I would say, at least for me. And then she disappeared and she kept teasing like oh another album's coming oh i promise it's coming blah 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 blah. and now all of a sudden she's like into her 30s and what do i see but she finally released a single this year called don't forget which for some reason critics were disappointed in i love it i think it's great i'm like oh sick sky is back and she did say she's back on her like teasing shit because she did say she was going to release the album by the end of the year that did not happen um but hopefully it will happen and maybe it'll be amazing. So we'll see. But anyway, onto my projects. So first of all, I mean, favorite album of the year, Ivory by Omar Apollo. This was my year of Omar. I'm not going to lie. This is, you guys, I acknowledge it sounds so petty and stupid. I'm pissed that he's getting popular. It's just a great album and he's great. And I wish him success, even though it annoys me a little bit. <laughs> And then I got to talk about Renaissance by Beyonce. How could you not? I love this album. When I first listened to it, I was like, what is this weird shit Beyonce is doing? And then I have to say, this shit was earworm for the second half of the year. This is another one of those albums where, again, I'm like applauding the producers that worked on oh, this yeah. because oh it's my phenomenally God. produced. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. And almost every song hits. It's crazy. It's like over an hour or two. Um, yeah. I will say that yeah. Beyonce, where's this part two, part three girl that you were teasing? Where I know. Like, what's going on? I want, I'm like, where are the visuals? He's keeping I us waiting. Oh, they better be phenomenal. They, they better, better be. be. It better fucking knock me off my feet, throw me to the ground, choke <laughs> me out. Yeah. No, it's a fantastic album. Uh, I really liked Crash by Charlie XCX. This is her last album of her uh, record deal. So she's finally free. She's one of the free women now. We talked about how predatory <laughs> record deals can be, especially when they sign young. So she finally got out of this like six record deal. And I'm very interested to see what she can do next. And actually she posted on Instagram the other day saying next album is going to be my best. So, oh, oh, don't know what that means. Um, but uh, it was it was definitely the most mainstream she's ever tried to be. But I liked it. I have a bias, obviously, because I love Charlie. But um, it was good. And I love the aesthetic of it, too. Anyway. Um, I wanted to call out, I guess technically this is an album, like you can listen to it in album form and trust me, I have, but the everything everywhere all at once score by Sun Lux is phenomenal. I love that score. I listen to it all the time. I'm actually shocked that Sun Lux did not make it into my Spotify wrapped because I listen to it all the time, particularly when I'm working. I just love it. It just elicits such emotion from me and it's great. And it makes me think of the movie. And why would I not want to think about that? And then the last thing I wanted to include, I thought this was like a cute little clever thing and it is from 2022, but I have a, my favorite playlist on Spotify that I myself did not make. It's called, there's a little bit of a story behind this one. It's called Lexi Howard's hyper pop playlist. And for those of you who don't know, Lexi Howard is a character on the TV series Euphoria and in season two, which aired the very beginning of 2022, uh, this is the character played by Maude Apatow. There's a scene where she's leaving a classroom and she puts her earbuds in 
And it's this song called Haunted. I don't remember the artist, but it's this crazy hyperbop song that's just like blazing in her ears. And it kind of went semi-viral, like that song itself. Um, and then randomly I got the Spotify playlist suggestion. Uh, it only has like 5,000 likes and it's called Lexi Howard's Hyperpop Playlist. And someone basically made a playlist of like what they think Lexi Howard would like based on that one song that we heard. And it's actually a really dope playlist. It's only like two and a half hours long, but I love it. And I've been listening to it a lot all year sporadically. So I wanted to give it a shout. I love that. Music. That anyway, yeah. Should we move on to TV? I feel like TV won't take super long. Um, yeah. Do no. you have a top five? I have a top five. Um. Yeah, I have top five and okay. one honorable mention. Oh, okay. I also have an honorable mention. My honorable mention mm -hmm. is technically two shows, but I feel like they go really well together as one honorable mention. Do you want me to go first or do you want to go first? Um. Uh, why don't you go first? Okay. So my honorable mentions are two lovely high school shows on Netflix. that start with the letter H. Um, it's Heartstopper and Heartbreak High. They both start with heart. Oh my God. Um, so we all know about Heartstopper, you guys. I mean, come on. It's the sweetest fucking thing. I can't wait for uh, season two. We all love all the kids. We love them. And it got me to read literally all the comics. I love it. I love this piece of media. And Heartbreak High is so much better than it had any right to be. This is a reimagining of like this random 90s Australian high school show that has nothing to do with it, basically, except it takes place in Australia. And I don't know. I just, again, I love all these kids. They got actual fucking kids, like 18, 19 year olds to play these characters. A lot of them have never acted before and they're all great. It has a phenomenal soundtrack. That's another playlist I've been listening to, the Heartbreak High soundtrack playlist. Phenomenal. The show, or season one ends. It got a second season. I'm so happy. Season one ends with, you know, Team Impala. I love Team Impala. And they have this really long song called Let It Happen, which is like seven minutes long and it slaps. The very last scene of season one is they basically play the entire song while there's something intense happening that I don't want to give away. But it's stuff like that. It's actually really creatively interesting. Anyway. I love that show. Can't wait for season two. Let's get to the actual top five. Number five is The Staircase on HBO. I talked about this. I feel like I said what I needed to say when I talked about it before. Colin Firth and Tony Collette are incredible. And it just says really interesting things to say about like what justice is, why America's so obsessed with true crime, particularly when it happens to like middle-class white people. Um, and they really got the time and place correct. I mean, it, it takes place between like 2001 and 19 or uh, okay. in 2020 no 2001 and 2017 i think there we go but that particularly like the early days from like the early 2000s they really nailed the time and place of it all and i thought that was cool number four is going to be a little controversial i did put euphoria season two at number four and here's why here's why i had to do it okay because i i still think this season really kind of failed from a story perspective I don't know what Sam Levinson was writing, but there are some scenes in this season that are some of the like the best things I've ever seen. And I can't just ignore that. The scene in the church, which I think I've have I talked about, where um it's in episode four, I believe. And Zendaya, she's 
she's tripping out basically and she imagines she's in a church and um labyrinth is actually there singing that's like his little cameo and he's singing that song i'm tired and she goes into his arms and then she imagines that she's in her father's arms and it's just like the most emotional thing and zendaya first of all we fucking love zendaya she can do anything i'm convinced she earned that emmy she can do yeah because then the very next episode episode five she went batshit crazy with her acting it's good so like stuff like that the um drink before the war montage with cassie and nate's dad like stuff like that i just think about and they're like burned into my brain as such like really brilliant artistic moments and this again the show is like shot unlike any other show it looks fucking gorgeous the visual language of the show is incredible i love that they shot on film this season as opposed to the digital last season for story reasons so the actual writing was a little mixed but the storytelling was great so i had to give it a shout number three is the dropout because Amanda Seyfried was incredible. She earned that Emmy, just like Zendaya earned hers. It's so funny. Did you hear how Jennifer Lawrence literally said in an interview recently that she dropped out of Adam McKay's adaptation of this because she didn't think she could be better than yes. Amanda Seyfried? Yes. <laughs> I love Which that. I really respect. I respect yeah. that. <laughs> but it's just, it's it's the Elizabeth Holmes story. And if, whether you know it or you don't know it, I feel like you should watch this miniseries. Because it's just a really well-written and well-acted tale about, like, American capitalism and greed and lies and all that sort of thing. It's very entertaining and great. Now, speaking of entertaining, number two is the rehearsal. Nathan Fielder's comeback show on HBO. I really, I, you know, I'm not going to say anything. If you know who Nathan oh. Fielder is, you know he's a mad fucking genius and he's so funny. If you're on his wavelength. You're like on his wavelength. One of my great victories of 2022 was converting Nick to the church of Nathan Fielder. He loves that <laughs> man more than I do now. He, he read us him for Halloween. Yeah, for Halloween. Um, so we watched the rehearsal together and it's just, it's, it's, you can't explain it. I can't explain it. I don't know how they made it. Like it turned into something different as they were making it. Just watch it. It's, uh, it's crazy and it's hysterical. And number one is, um, hopefully a good segue the boys season three um i love the boys i think it's a fantastic show it actually shows you you can actually do satire these days especially oh my like God, i know sat satire in trump's america and you can actually do it successfully and everyone's great like anthony Starr is amazing as homelander this is the best yet and i cannot wait to see what's going to happen in season four I cannot wait. So yeah, I love the show. And um Illy. <laughs> okay, so that is a good segue. However, I will say the boys is actually in my number three spot. It's oh, okay. Simply because it's like the least rewatchable of the shows that I have. And if you know me, you know that I like to find my comfort shows and like yeah. watch the shit out of them. It's not fun so to the watch. First, yeah, it's really difficult <laughs> to watch. But everything, yes to everything you said, like it's the perfect example of what a good satire should do. And whenever people think that Don't Look Up is a good movie and they ask me why I think it's a bad movie, I'm like, you need to watch The Boys because... That's Ooh. how satire should be. It should be a really good piece of like 
comedy, a really good commentary and a good piece of artwork. Um, yeah. Which Seems I feel like the boys does. Yeah. The boys does really, really well. And the acting is amazing. Yeah. Everybody is so great. Um, and yeah, this season Homelander was like off his shit. And like, that was just crazy. Oh, I'm so excited. For so four. we haven't explicitly said this, but if you guys can't already tell, um, Illy finally watched the boys. I finally watched in 2022. Uh, what what got been... you to watch it again? I forget. Literally, <laughs> somebody else turned it on, and I didn't have a choice. <laughs> Was it Morgan? That Morgan, and which I keep telling Morgan to finish it, and she won't. Uh, so I don't know. She needs to finish it. But yeah, we were in Cincinnati, and she, we were trying to like drown out the sound of like the Airbnb host's <laughs> dog barking, and so she just put it on TV, and she was like, "Have you seen this?" And I was like, is this the boys? And she was like, yeah. I was like, no. <laughs> and, and so then I, I started watching it like while I was getting ready. And I would like pop my head out. And I was like, oh, okay. Oh, okay. And then by the end of the first episode, I was getting so into it. I was like, shit. And you know what actually sticks with me all the time when I think about this show? And this what? is what hooked me. Okay. I think this is in the first episode, which oh, I don't want to spoil. Actually, this it's is the like first a huge episode. spoiler. It's yeah. the first episode. It's like right before Huey kills Translucent. Mm-hmm. Is that the first episode? Uh, it's one or two. It's yeah. really early on. Yeah. yeah. So it's like that's just like the turning point of the of the the the, the, the story. Yeah. So Huey's about like holding the detonator for the bomb that they stuck up his ass. <laughs> and he's like looking back and forth between Translucent walking away from him and this poster that's on the wall that says, keep your hands clean. And he's just like looking back and forth at it. And I love that because it's just one of those moments where it's like you really have to like let a piece of like silly looking media like make you think because mm-hmm. I was in the room with Morgan and she said, why do they keep showing that poster? And I was like, well, think about what it says, like keep your hands clean and think about what he's about to do. Like he's about to he's contemplating killing someone. And like what they say, you know, you do something bad, your hands are dirty. And so I was just like that's really interesting how that poster was there just like imploring him to not do it like to stay to true to yeah. like who he's always been to like stay just cute sweet like you know scared Huey like it's begging him not to do it not to get involved and he's like fuck it like he just snaps and he does it anyway and it's like I feel like kind of like you're shocked because you weren't expecting him to like actually give in and do it yeah. and then he does it and you're like oh my god no shit is getting real like that's when shit starts and so i love that i think about that all the time i feel like the show is really good at that of having those oh shit like shit is getting real and it keeps topping itself like one of the reasons well obviously i'm excited for season four because i love the show but one of the very last scenes of season three is that moment of course where homelander does something awful in public and you're like oh shit but then his supporters love it and you're like cheering oh fuck me and i love that scene too because and we've talked about this because of what they do with the music and i had heard that's that specific clip at the end on tiktok all the time and so i kind of got what it was conveying but when i actually saw it within its full context of like hearing that same melody over and over and over Mm -hmm. again like throughout the season where it's like driving homelander absolutely mad and then that happens and it plays again, like in full volume, full blast. And he's just laughing over it. Yeah. That was just so impactful. I was like, wow. Homelander this show is, is terrifying. Really good. It's really well done. Yeah. Oh, I'm so excited. Um, you start watching. I know. It. Okay. 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 Sorry. I want to get back okay. into it though. <laughs> so my first two, um, two shows on here are the ones that I've been watching and rewatching the most. Like your two favorites. So, 
Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So my number one is um, Bridgerton. <laughs> surprise, surprise. My favorite. I love the show. And it's funny because I never watched it before season two came out in 2022. And I was just like seeing so much about um, about it on TikTok. And I was like, you know what? This season, like the female um, love interest is actually a person of color. And so I was like, mm, let me watch it. Let me like see what it's about. But I didn't want to watch season one. So I just started with season two. I was like, I don't give a fuck. I'll catch up. So I watched season two and I was like, oh, I really like that. <laughs> it was really good. And, so then I was like, and it's only eight episodes. So then I was like, oh, I want to keep watching this, but I don't want to keep watching the same season again. So then I was like, okay, let me watch season one. See what it's about. Like it took me a little bit to get through it because I just wasn't a big fan of Daphne. Um, but I feel like after you get past like her and Simon actually getting married and you get to like the second half of the season, it's like really way more deep and it's like, oh shit. Um, I don't know this. I love Bridgerton. I think it's, it's just perfect. I feel like it's just what we needed in 2022. (laughs) It's like the soundtrack being all pop music, like, but like covered in classical style. And then like the whole like 1800s style it's just i love it it's great it's like everything that us ladies like to read (laughs) not us ladies um but as a tv show and then as a result of watching this i started reading the books and Mm. i read i just finished not just i finished reading the fourth book which is going to be the third season of the tv show so i skipped the third book because i wanted to read it in order of the show so that i would like have that context when the show came out yeah um and I hate to say it, you guys, because the TV version of Colin and Penelope, I cannot stand them. They're so annoying. But the book, I feel like, is my favorite one. It's really cute. Is that the fourth I can't one? Wait. Yeah, the fourth book. It's called oh. Romancing Mr. Bridgerton. And I like that it's the first one that's told from the point of view of someone that's not in the Bridgerton family, which I feel like is different. Um, it's really sweet. I like I and it's crazy because I want them to really stay true to the storyline because it's a really it's really good. Like I think it'll make really good TV. But I know that because of like because like there's a time jump in the books and they not they're not gonna do that for the TV show. And I feel like that is like a crucial part of why I like it so much because I know the characters are older and more mature. So it's like, oh, but it's fine. I'm excited. Um, and then the next show that I'm really obsessed with is Abbott Elementary, of course. Oh. I think I've talked about I've talked about Abbott Elementary a lot. I forgot about that. To I be watch Abbott Elementary all the time, and I'm so excited. Part two of season two is coming out literally tomorrow. Oh, um, the way they left off on like the half the winter finale of season two, I was shaken. Was I there a twist? More. No, there's not like a twist, but it's just like they're really pushing the slow burn romance. And I'm like, Ooh. oh, you guys, it's killing with, me. With, uh, oh. with Chris? Who's Chris? Isn't that the Everybody Hates Chris guy? Oh, my God. His his character's name is um <laughs> Gregory, Mr. Eddie. That's him, and though, right? Quinta. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they're so cute. I love them. I can't wait. So I'm excited about Ab Elementary. And then um, Wednesday from Netflix is next on my list after the boys. Um, I've actually been rewatching it with my brother because I've been trying to get my whole family to watch it. And so he was like, fine, I'll watch it with you. So we've been rewatch. I've been rewatching it and he's been watching it for the first time. And I just like the show. I will say the thing that I like about it is that it reminds me a lot of Riverdale, but without like the awful dialogue, like the dialogue isn't, is, is way easier to like, digest than Riverdale was so I like it because it's like teens trying to like play detective and like solve a mystery in their 
in their high school and like the surrounding community and it's not like super cringy i mean it's like a little cringy but it's not (laughs) not nearly as bad as riverdale it's like really enjoyable and the characters are so cute and like it's really fun and jenna ortega is awesome as wednesday adams there's a lot of stuff that she does that you're like wow okay she like really came out for this interesting Um, i've been tempted to watch it definitely i think it's really good yeah it's only eight episodes um i binged it in like uh, 24 hours like i broke it up into two oh. days but i finished it really quickly it's it's um, wild that they haven't announced season two yet even though it's one of netflix's most popular shows and i know so, it's because or well, i don't know what you're gonna say but i wonder if it's because jenna ortega's team is negotiating the fuck out of her salary possibly, to get more money <laughs> i saw something on dumois that like this week they're going to announce season two so oh, i feel like it's okay. coming up yeah but i hope that they do because she deserves she put a lot into that first season like and you could like she did a lot like she she does it a couple times so i feel like you can't say that she doesn't blink at all but like if you really watch her she for most of the show she does not blink at all and like i feel like that and that was something that she just did once and tim burton was like keep doing that and so (laughs) like she doesn't really blink but then if you think about it too i don't think anybody really blinks that much in the show and something else that i really like too is the camera like the cinematography of it like the camera work they film her from above so she's always looking at you like this Uh, that's funny yeah so it's like really funny it's like it's really well done yeah there's a lot of good stuff um i like all the actors like the new era of the adams family i feel like they did they casted pretty well um yeah it's really enjoyable it's really fun i like it um and then the last show on my list is, um, of course, the Daggy series, Harry and Meghan. Oh, okay. Wait, wait, wait. I'm actually shocked because I was preparing for you to say Stranger Things season four, which I wasn't a fan of. I didn't finish it, actually. Well, oh, what Stranger do you mean, Things well? season four is my honorable mention. Oh, okay. Because Sorry. <laughs> I didn't hate it, but it, there was a lot wrong with it that I'm Filler. just like, frustrated with. Yeah. yeah, like a lot of stuff that it was just like, we we didn't you know it just it's the riverdale effect like they're getting wildly popular and they just keep trying to do more and more and more and now they're getting to the point where it's not working for them yeah so yeah that's all i have to say about stranger things for we've talked about it before um but harry and megan i which i also have talked about already um y'all know i fucking love harry and megan (laughs) i love it so that was fun to watch and i mean it was interesting to hear their story i do think that they're like really milking this whole like oh my god we stepped away from the royal family we need it out <laughs> well and what else like, are they okay. gonna do i know Another... well right how else are they gonna make... they're financially independent how are they gonna yeah. make their money <laughs> it's funny you you talking about it has made me interested in maybe watching it too so i can get the dirt but we shall see yeah well does that bring us to the end? I, I feel like this was the most impactful media for us. Yeah. Wow. And actually, this is shorter than last year's. It's looking to be. So I'm proud of us. Well, granted, we cut out there books. There you go. But still, we talked about books a little bit. When you're talking about little porn books, you know. Oh, my God. Stop <laughs> calling them porn books. It's not. It's romance. I'm just kidding. With camp. Yes. Well, I'm, I'm very proud of us. We consumed a lot of media this year. Well, we got it all out. If you guys have any questions, please direct them to our Instagram or to our personal accounts. I don't know what questions yeah, they would just... be, but yeah. <laughs> but uh, that Let is that. Let us know if you, if you consume any of the media that we oh, have Oh, yeah, consumed. yeah, yeah. We if you like have thoughts, we'll it. have discourse, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And we'll be back next week with a regular episode. 
hopefully stuff happens so we can talk about it. Maybe Kevin McCarthy will finally get voted in. (laughs) 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 We'll see. (laughs) But anyway, thanks for listening, you guys. Hopefully you had wonderful holidays while we are away. I should have said that at the top, but. No, well, if you made it this far, then you deserve well wishes from us. That's true. Very true. Okay, have a good night. Bye. Have a good night.